here live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading up until 6 o'clock is... The morning roast will take you until 10. Oh. <laughs> That's all I can say after yesterday and my sports watching was just, ah, oh. the A's lost because Frankie Montas gave up a home run to playoff champion Brett Phillips with the Tampa Bay Rays last season. If you remember that uh, crazy walk-off with him and Randy Arozarena against the Dodgers, how can we forget that? But the A's lost to the Rays because of a strike that was called a ball, and then the next pitch, it was gone. We had the Giants losing extras. We had the Warriors lose one of the most important games that they had this season. I got... An update every five minutes about who the Paul brothers are possibly going to box next. Our pets' heads are falling off! There's so much going on. But we also got the NFL draft tomorrow, so that actually alleviates some of the pain. And I'm looking forward to that, and we're finally going to come to a conclusion. But it's not going to be a very happy show today. I mean, you're going to be talking about losses, and really, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't uh, make much of a difference, in my opinion, because it's just one loss is one loss. Um, And we'll get to what happened with the Giants in the A's games, and I'm not even going to look towards something that happened uh, in the Giants game in that 10th inning. I'm not even going to look toward the two straight home runs that Gregory Santos gave up. I'm going to look at a singular play that happened uh, in the bottom of the fourth inning in case you did miss that uh, when the Giants were on a little run. So we'll get to that coming up. Plus, we got a bunch of sound to get to uh, from from this week. This week on the station, it's been fantastic in terms of our draft coverage and the guests that we have brought on. So we're going to play some sound from yesterday. We had Brian Baldinger and Booger McFarlane on the morning roast with us. Then we also had Greg McElroy, and he had some interesting stuff to say regarding Mac Jones. There's no, there's no other person who would know Mac Jones better than him. So we'll get to all of that today. But let's start off with the Warriors. And you know what? I'm going to do something that I don't normally do here on the pregame show, but I'm going to play Kerr's entire presser from the game right now. And if you're thinking, whoa, Steven, you're going to play a 10-minute interview to start off uh, the show? No. It was about a minute 40. Here's Steve Kerr after the game, after the Warriors' 133-103 to loss. And this presser is not the normal 5-10 minute presser that we always get in the postgame. Uh, this one lasted uh, a minute and 40 seconds. So here's Steve Kerr after the game. Hey, Steve, um, in the first quarter and then into the second quarter, your guys had a scoring drought of about nine minutes. What is that feeling when you're, when you're getting shots, but nothing is going in? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not that concerned about a nine-minute scoring drought. I'm concerned about defense. I'm, I'm concerned about a level of intensity and, and preparation and, and competitiveness. That's, um, that's what was missing. And I'm the, I'm the, Head coach, so you know I I did not have them ready to play. Clearly, 
you know, biggest game of the year and uh, it was over before it started. So really, really disappointing. But we've got a, a young team. I think you know, of the guys who've, who are out there tonight, I think we only have three guys who've been in the playoffs. Tonight was kind of like a playoff game for Dallas. You know, they lost last night. They know we were right on their heels. They came out like it was a playoff game and we came out like it was an exhibition game. Very disappointing. I mean, you guys are obviously still 31-31 right in the thick of the play-in bracket, but you've you've had a lot of blowout losses this season. Why do you think it is that it seems like when you guys have a bad performance, it's like a really bad performance? Yeah, I don't know. I thought we were done with those, Anthony. I thought those were a case of just being early in the year, not ready, you know, for the competition that we were facing, uh, you know, playing some different combinations, that kind of stuff. I thought we were beyond that, but uh, obviously – you know, we, we took another one on the chin tonight. So, like I said, just really disappointing. I'm disappointed in myself uh, for not having them better prepared. I'm disappointed in the way we we just didn't meet the challenge as a group. It's a shame, but we've got 10 games left and we've got a lot to play for. We will be better prepared next game. I know that. Now, as the Warriors, that was his entire press conference. Now, it's not like he just stormed off after the end. He was still waiting for some questions and didn't get any after, um, after Anthony Slater's there. Um, but... First off, Dallas went on a 28 to nothing run heading into the second quarter with about 10 minutes left in the first quarter and then about 11 minutes left to go in the second. They went on a 28 to nothing run. That's the longest stretch without scoring a point in the NBA since 2009. So it's been 12 years since any team has gone that long without even scoring a point. Forget the deficit. Forget the fact that the other scheme, other other teams scored 28. The fact that the Warriors just didn't score anything, I mean, that's the worst stretch of basketball that I think I've seen them play um, in quite a while, and that even includes last season. I mean, I, I can't remember a time when the team just looked lazy and just out of it. Now, granted, what Steve Kerr mentioned there, and he's taking the blame because um, he's saying he didn't have them better prepared, and what he did after the road trip uh, when they came back was he canceled practice, decided to give him a break, um, especially a guy like Steph Curry, who's in need of a break, and Steph Curry was all in favor of it. But clearly, these other guys needed something because the depth of this team, we are forgetting You know that Damian Lee and uh, Kent Bazemore, they were out. Uh, Eric Paschal, he wasn't in, and you went out with a starting five uh, that included Michael Mulder. And when you got at the end of the game, um, yeah, it, I commend you uh, for one. If you don't listen to sports radio, if you if you're not a host of a sports radio show and you don't have to watch it because um, you need to talk about it in the morning, I commend you for sticking around after. Uh, that 28 to nothing stretch because it really didn't get any better than that. Um, the Warriors in that stretch, they had 12 first half turnovers. 12. And a lot of them felt like ugly turnovers. You had the back to back with Wiggins going to the hoop, trying to dish it out, and it just couldn't, couldn't make the pass. It ended up being turned over. Draymond with just unnecessary uh, mistakes. And, and that's the one player to me from yesterday um, that I think was more disappointing than all of them because there's at least one player who, at, who, who shows that they played well, you know, who did something on the court, who shows that they wanted to win. 
And really, I don't know if I saw that from anyone on this team yesterday. And But I, I'm going to single Draymond out in this one because you can't go to the media. What, it, what was it, three weeks ago? Maybe a month ago? Over a month ago? I don't know. Time moves so fast now. And the fact that we've been talking about the draft for so long, I've kind of lost track of the days. But it was... It was a few weeks ago when the play-in tournament was a conversation, and it still is the conversation. Uh, but they asked Draymond, you know, about his motivation and about the play-in tournament. And I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said that the play-in tournament doesn't motivate him. He's not excited by getting into that seventh through tenth seat. Well, this was the one chance. This was the one game you needed to win if you wanted to get into that sixth sixth seed. And so if the play-in tournament doesn't matter to you, Draymond, but the sixth seed does, it should. It should matter to you. But apparently it didn't last night, and that just went, uh, That just showed throughout the game. Um, I mean, he only had, what? How many assists did he have? I just totally lost track in my notes. Uh, Draymond only had three assists on the night. Three assists and six turnovers. It's not like the team was playing great, but the dude had no points. Zero points. And it's not like you're going up against a team that has two big men that are tough to guard in Kristaps Porzingis, who can, you know, shoot from beyond the arc and sometimes get to the hoop. He's not going to post up all that much because that's just not Kristaps' games, even though it should be. Dwight Powell has been inserted back into the lineup, and, you know, he could be a threat on the screen and roll, but. That wasn't necessarily Draymond's uh, uh, play there on defense. It was on offense where I feel like he should have shown out a little bit more. And this was the one game, the one chance that you had in order to get back into it. And look, it's, it's, it's over now. And it's not like they're completely out of the playoff race. You know, it's, it, they're, they're still well within reach of the seventh seed in the play-in tournament. But with teams like the Blazers all of a sudden picking it up and scoring 133 points and winning last night after losing what felt like is their last six, pretty sure it was their last five, and having one of the worst defensive ratings in April, I'm kind of worried that the Blazers maybe could go on a tiny run to close out the season after being so cold uh, for the past stretch of games in the, in, in the last half of April, in the entire month of April. Um, you know, the Mavs, they clearly wanted it more, like Steve Kerr said, and that just showed last night. Uh, let's hear from Juan Toscano-Anderson. Here's what he had to say regarding the 28 to nothing scoring run. I didn't realize it was nine minutes. I know we went a while without seeing the ball go in, but, you know, Loon Wiggins and I were talking on time. We got a bunch of good looks. You know, they just weren't going in, and that's deflating sometimes. And so for that to happen so early in the game, I think that's what kind of – and we weren't getting stops. So a combination of both those things is just kind of is, is defeating in that moment. And, you know, we dug ourselves a hole and we went on a little short run. I think we scored like six or seven points in a row. We just couldn't get over that 27 point hump. And I kept looking up and it's like it's 27 points. And then they push it up to 30, 31 again. It's very deflating, you know, when especially, you know, when you get an open looks and you expect them to go in. But and I, it's one thing I'm learning from my vets, you know, uh, it's a long season. You can't put too much 
stock into one game. Although this was our biggest game of the season, it was a very important game for us. You know, we want to get out of that play-in spot and get into the sixth spot. And so, you know, I think Dallas is actually in the sixth spot. Tonight would have been a tiebreaker with us. So uh, it's frustrating, but it's a part of the game. Can't put too much stock into it. You know, got to be better tomorrow. So as we continue to watch the standings, the Warriors are in the 10th seed at 31 and 31. The Spurs and the Grizzlies are a game ahead at 31 and 29. And the Trailblazers are two and a half games of the war, uh, two and a half games ahead of the Warriors at 33 and 28. So, um, yeah, they could stack up wins. They got a bunch of easy matchups coming up. Um, mostly against teams that uh, appear to be tanking. Although we'll see what happens with the Thunder. I don't know how. I didn't. I, I didn't watch a lick of the game, but I just looked back at the box score at the end and I saw that the Thunder beat the Celtics by four, and the Thunder had lost fourteen straight. I'm like, what is going on? Um, so they are in the midst of catching teams that uh, do want to get a higher draft pick. And I will say this: here's the fortunate part um, about these teams that are tanking. Then that pertains to the Warriors. The only team within the bottom of the standings that doesn't appear to be tanking right now are the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they look like they're playing themselves out of uh, that top three lottery pick because they finally got D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards on the floor, and it feels like they're using this final stretch of the season to show that you know next year there's actually some hope going into next year. So that so pertaining to the Warriors, that top three protected pick, uh, it might convey for the Warriors, and, and they could be getting that pick back uh, after all. So there was a positive to come out of yesterday, but that was just a brutal, brutal loss. All right, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. I got a baseball question for you, and this is just a general baseball question. And I need your help at the text line at AAA nine five seven nine five seven zero. If the third base coach puts his hand up momentarily as you are rounding third and you have a chance to go home, and he is giving you the signal to go home for a split second, but then puts his hand up to stop, is it on the base runner to keep paying attention to that third base coach and actually stop? Or is it the third base coach's fault that the base runner kept going? I'll explain what I mean by that next. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, ninety five seven the game. Now back to the pregame show on ninety five seven the game. Here's Stephen Langford. All right, 20 minutes through the show. Stephen Langford in with you on the pregame show, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. Spent the first segment talking about those Warriors in that 133-103 to loss, and I'm just imagining, like, if you, let's let's just give a hypothetical here, and you tuned in, you're a Warrior fan, Let's just play this stupid hypothetical role uh, that I just thought of during the break. But if you're a fan and you were tuning into that fourth quarter and you're not seeing the score, you don't know what the score is, you haven't looked at anything, 
and there's no score on the TV. Let's just pretend that there's no score on the TV. You're a Warrior fan. You know, you, you had some stuff to do. You're late to the game. You tune into the first, fourth quarter, and what you see on the court is Nico Mannion, GP2, Alan Smilagich, and then Boban Marjanovic on the Mavs. And he's getting, you know, ejected for a flagrant, too. Uh, imagine if you're a Warrior fan and you're seeing that and you're thinking, oh, Okay, well, you know someone's getting blown out, and then you can probably tell by the Mavs' reactions uh, that is the Warriors uh, getting blown out. Just an ugly, ugly game yesterday. Um, So we'll get back to it uh, a little later on in the show, but I did ask a a question, and I want you to weigh in at 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Yesterday in the Giants game, there was an interesting scenario. And I'll play the highlight in just a second, but I asked you as the hypothetical, if you are a runner and you're on first base and there's a ball hit into the gap, in this case the ball was hit down the, uh, down the first baseline into right field, and you have a mind that you could possibly make it home, and when you get to third, the third base coach at first for a split second is giving you the go sign, is giving you the green light to get home. But then, at the last second, tells you to stop. And for a lot longer period of time, has the stop sign up as opposed to waving you home. And the runner doesn't stop. And instead, goes home and gets called out. Now, who do you put the blame on there? Do you put the blame on the third base coach, who was giving the subtle wave but still giving the stop sign? Or... Do you blame that on the base runner? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But this is the play I was talking about, and really take out that uh, that crap that happened in the top of the tenth inning where Gregory Santos came in, the young twenty twenty one year old uh, rookie of the future. You know, trying to keep this game at bay, trying to keep it tied after Brandon Crawford hit a splash hit. And uh, Jake McGee then gave up the home run to uh, uh, to Garrett Hampson. But I don't put the blame on that. I look at what happened in the bottom of the fourth inning when the Giants had a chance to extend the game. And a base hit to right field. Crawford scores. Dubon can run. And now he ran through a stop sign. And he runs into Wotus, and he's out. And I think Ron Wotus got dinged right in the forehead. Giants are going to tie the game. And it's something that I've never seen before. I've never seen that. So there are runners on first and third. Vosler's at the plate, and he's getting his first RBIs as a a giant here. And Vosler's at the plate. Mauricio Dubon is on first, and when he's about to run around third and, and make his way to home, Ron Wotus for a split second at the, the third base coach gives him the wave, gives him the green light to go, but then gives him the stop sign. Puts his hand up and I'm sure was yelling stop, stop, stop. And I was going back and forth on it. I really was after seeing the replay uh, when they went back to the game at the top of the fifth because they had to go to commercial break and you're just wondering what the hell happened. I mean, he just ran into the base coach. But I would put a lot of that on Mauricio Dubon. 
and we have seen these issues um, in the past with Dubon, and it's really the one aspect of his game which it feels like is kind of beyond improvement, but it's, in ba- it's his base running. I mean, it happened earlier this weekend where he was on second, a ball was hit right in front of him, and anytime you know, you learn this from Little League on, right? When you're on second and you're leading off, if the ball is hit in front of you um, uh, between you and third base, then you should probably hold up, right? An inch your way back to second, you know, make sure you don't get called out, and then see what happens from there. But instead, Dubon ran right through it, ended up getting tagged out, uh, uh, and then, you know, the inning was over. They didn't score any runs out of it. And in this one, there was another it, – it ha- there, there was something that happened last year, too, where he was wrong jug- judging a sack fly, and you're just wondering what is going on. And then there's yet another base-running blunder here, and this is one to me that could have changed the entire outcome of the game because, again, you had runners on first and third. You had Vossler at the plate. There's two outs, and – Instead of holding up at third, while also having the game tied, and then pro- possibly Vossler at second because the right fielder was trying to get it home um, to to stop Dubon from getting there, I'm sure Vossler could have gotten to second. You're going into that game; it's a tie ball game. It's two two runners on second and third with two outs. Do you not think that there would be any sort of um, motivation to get Vossler home? And for the 510, dude, there's no leading off in Little League. Yeah, when you get to juniors, you know, when you turn 12, 13 years old and you're kind of waiting for that time to uh, make it to high school. You know what I'm saying? Of course, there's no leading off in Little League where it's, you know, it's minors and majors and all those different things. But when you get to juniors, yeah, that's when you start to lead off. At least that's what it was uh, with my Little League experience. But they teach you, I mean, when you round second, and you're going to third, and you're heading for possibly home. You're paying attention to that third base coach the entire time. Sure, you're sprinting, but also you're watching that third base coach, seeing what you have to do. And it seemed like Dubon just had a one track mind to get home. And I think that ultimately, uh, that's what ended up costing the Giants this game. Now, sure, um, the bullpen gave it up late, and they shouldn't have done that. And maybe the Giants put could should have put uh, more runs on the board. And it's not the entire reason they lost because we can look at those two straight home runs uh, in the 10th and use that as the reason. But ultimately, it's the little things like that early on in these games. Mistakes which, quite frankly, the Giants have been avoiding uh, a majority of this year. It's the little mistakes like that uh, which end up costing you games. Um, and, and, and don't look now. But, you know, don't look now. But, you know, West, kind of good. Kind of good. Diamondbacks are a little better than a, a lot of people gave them credit for. The Dodgers and the Padres, they've had two separate series each, and the Dodgers took the first one, and the Padres took uh, three of four in the next one. Now you got the Giants and the Rockies in this three-game series, and you got, uh, you got, oh, goodness me, what's the, uh, uh, si- uh, you got series that are going back and forth. I can't even think of the word because it's so early in the morning between the Rockies and the Padres. I need to extend my vocabulary going to be fun going forward. And it was a tough loss yesterday. Luckily, it's a 162-game season. No harm done. But um, I, I do want to mention this as well. And this was a move uh, that they made uh, yesterday. That's the Giants, that is. Um, but they traded away uh, Wandy Peralta to the Yankees for Mike Talkman. And this was something um, that was really interesting. And, and, and I felt like this type of move, because Talkman hasn't done much. 
you know, in his time with the Yankees. He had one season where he hit 13 homers, and that was his only season where he had any homers. Other than that, you know, his career has kind of been going up and down. Good utility outfielder, can play anywhere in the outfield, outfield, primarily center and left. That's according to Aaron Boone. But here's the one aspect of his game, and this is something that I feel like Varhan Zaidi is bringing into uh, the team, and this is the type of effect that he's having on him. It's kind of like going back to Moneyball. Right when, I mean, let's just use Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill as the example, even though it was uh, even though it was Billy Bead. But what they wanted was to bring in guys who got on base. Didn't matter how you got on base. If you got on base, you had a high on base percentage. We want you on this team. Well, the Giants are kind of using a version of that right now. But they are averaging, and this was from Grant Brisby um, from The Athletic, and he put out a, a, an article yesterday before the game about these six different stats that the Giants are leading in, these st- statistical categories that the Giants are leading. And an interesting one is that they are averaging more pitches per plate appearance than any team in the last 33 years. They're averaging 4.12 pitches per plate appearance. Now, I know that's not saying much because it's it's not like, you know, oh, if you have a high amount of pitches per plate appearance, then, yeah, that's that's what's going to lead to wins. That translates to wins. That's not what I'm saying. But that does show the Giants are heading in some sort of direction with their lineup that they got to stay patient. They got to stay patient, and they have got to find the pitches that actually they can actually hit out, and they can actually – you know, put the bat on, put the barrel on. And they're being patient at the plate. And if you've been using the eye test and, you know, just been seeing every game that if 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 you feel like to if it feels like to you that they have been patient at the plate, they have been. And it just goes to show there. But one aspect of Talkman's game, it's not necessarily his power. He's got some speed and he's also a left-handed outfielder and uh, Gabe Kapler, depending on who the pitcher is, depending on the matchup, can switch between an all-lefty outfield and an all-righty outfield uh, at this point with the depth with Talkman. But he averages 4.34 pitches per plate appearance. So not only does he give you something in the outfield, which is just an extra defensive glove, which is good, which is something that they absolutely need in especially in left field. But also, you want a guy at the plate who can complement the other guys in the lineup and and really have the same type of approach that Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler are looking for in their lineup, and that's what Talkman brings. So, um, you know, kind of a uh, just a low-risk move. Wandy Peralta, anytime he went out to the mound, you know, it was kind of, for me, it was kind of hit or miss. I didn't really know what to make of any, any time he'd go out to the mound. It's not like he'd give me uh, show a bunch of promise and, you know, he, he'd show something where I'd be like, okay, you need to bring Wandy in in this situation. He was kind of just like, oh, well, you know, he's a lefty. You got to put a lefty on lefty. Okay. It wasn't anything too exciting. So um, his tenure with the Giants didn't last too long. And uh, now bring in Michael Talkman. And I do wonder how that's going to impact uh, Mike Yastrzemski and Donovan Solano and how long those guys are going to be out for. Um, let's see here. From the 707, third base coach pulled a pivot, don't panic. Runner has to pay attention. 75% of the blame goes for the runner. That's Mikey Dubs. Then also from the 707, it's on the runner. Practice those drills as kids and in high school, and if you run a red light, you better score. 
Then also for the 707, damn, three different 707 numbers this morning. Minors and majors, you can lead off. I led the league in steals. High point of my career. Oh, excuse me, that is Mikey Dubs. <laughs> hey, man, we all remember those high points, right? I mean, there was a time I batted like 473 when I was 11 years old. I was stoked. I still talk about it to this day. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. I'll always hang my hat on that. And also, speaking of which, as we're just going down Little League memories and coming up next, we'll get to um, all the great guests that we've had on uh, for the past week regarding the draft pick at number three overall because that is the big story. But Madison Bumgarner in the seven innings pitch, you know how it was a a controversy that they ruled it a no-hitter? And people are like, well, that's not a no-hitter. You know, he he didn't pitch all nine innings. And I'm using my old man voice there. But um, anyway, they didn't want to count it as a no-hitter. But in the end, in the record book, it did. Now, for me, I pitched a no-hitter once. Oh, I did. But the game only went five innings because we beat them by ten. I had a triple and a double play in two separate innings. And I walked six different batters. Just no one got any hits. Still a (laughs) no-hitter. Oh, man. Hey, man, we all look back at the high points in our Little League times, in our Little League days. Oh, what a time. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Coming up next, we'll get to what Brian Baldinger and Booger McFarlane had to say regarding uh, the rookie quarterback. And I want to know from you on the text line. When it comes to the third overall pick, does it matter who you draft in this one in terms of starting right away, starting over Jimmy Garoppolo? Because a lot of the talk has been, well, if Mac Jones is the pick, then you start Mac Jones. But if Trey Lance or Justin Fields are the pick, then you sit those guys for a year and let them learn under Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think that's going to be the case? Or do you think regardless of who the pick is, they're going to start over Jimmy Garoppolo. I want to know from you. 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I feel vulnerable right now, everyone. I feel vulnerable after sharing those Little League memories with you to close out that last segment. But, hey, that's what happens. Because last night, oh, the Warriors getting the 133-103 to loss to the Mavs, ruining their chances at a sixth seed. You had the A's losing to the Rays in a fashion where there was a strike that was called a ball. Uh, should have been striked. That was called the ball. Then the next pitch, it was a home run hit by Brett Phillips to give the Rays the lead, and the A's didn't come back from that. The Giants get the loss late. And worst of all, every 10 minutes, I'm getting something about who Logan Paul or Jake Paul are going to fight next. Here's how the story's going to go. Uh, you know, 30 seconds. Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather, they're fighting on June 6th. How it's going to go, Floyd Mayweather is going to beat Jake Paul then, or excuse me, Floyd Mayweather is going to beat Logan Paul, and then after that, Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather are going to fight. It's all a storyline. It's all made up. That's how I'm calling it. I'm just so tired of 
everything from yesterday. <laughs> and we'll get uh, to a lot of football talk here uh, in this uh, in this segment. And I did ask you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Um, what do you think when they do draft a quarterback at three, regardless of who it is? Are they going to be starting him or sitting him? Because a lot of guests were on the station yesterday, and a lot of guests will be on uh, this week. We have a great draft week for you, uh, all leading up to tomorrow's third overall pick. We got some sound from Greg McElroy, college football analyst, former Alabama quarterback. We got Booger McFarlane. We got Brian Baldinger. There's a lot to talk about, but I do want to know from you at 888 if you think with that third pick, you're going to be starting or sitting them regarding Jimmy G. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. But real quick, let's go to Duriel in San Jose, who always likes to call in in the morning, and he wants to talk about the Warriors. What's going on, Duriel? Hello. Damn. Damn, that's a shame. Can't seem to hear him. Oh, well. We move on. 888 for the 510. It'll be a selfish move by Kyle to start a rookie this season. Players came back on cheap deals knowing this team is capable and recapping another run in the bowl. To lay it all out on a rookie is pure negligence. Suck it up, Jimmy. Put them big boy pants and run with it. By the way, let's get fields. And this is where I'm coming from with it with in regards to Mac Jones and something that was surfacing yesterday. And this kind of bothers me. Um, I don't know about you. Okay. Look, I, I think that people make mistakes, right? And clearly Mac Jones made a mistake uh, with that DUI, you know, and, and people are posting all about it on social media and everything. I think people um, make mistakes all the time. You know, that happens, Right. But then also there is a video that surfaced yesterday and this somehow people are putting stock into this and them not drafting him. But it was just a simple video, a, a, a harmless video of him just with a like a I think it was like a Hawaiian shirt, something like that. But it was a button up and it was unbuttoned, you know, bare chest out and they're just at a club. You know, I, and I'm just sitting there like, what are we doing? Are we just digging for stuff to find, digging some dirt on this dude so that the 49ers don't draft him? Like, what are we doing here? I, I don't know the context of that video, you know, but if I had to guess a guy who is starting for the most popular college football team in America, in Alabama, and you're not going to let the guy have a little fun and all of a sudden has to do with, well, I'm not taking him with a top five pick. He went out to a club one night. Come on. Give me a break with all that stuff. The dude's young. It's like we act like all these football players are, you know, goody two-shoes, stay indoors, watch film 24-7. Like, no, they can have fun every now and then. They can have fun every now and then. I, I got I got really tired of that whole, uh, in how that affects them. And it's the same with Fields. I don't understand why he's sliding down the draft boards. Um, because by right now for me, um, where I'm at going to, into tomorrow, Mac Jones or Trey Lance are going to be the pick. It doesn't feel like Justin Fields is even in the conversation. And maybe it's something that they've seen uh, on tape in that, in the past year, you know, whatever. But, um, I just don't think that 
putting the narrative that, oh, well, he's an Ohio State quarterback. He's not going to play too well in the NFL. It's not going to translate. I don't buy that, and I think that that's a pretty unfair um, scouting report to put on somebody. Just to say, oh, yeah, he played for this specific college. He's not going to be good in the NFL. None of those quarterbacks are ever uh, good from that specific college. Well, look, you know, each player's different, right? Some translate to the NFL. Some don't. I always go back to Terrell Pryor. You know, dude just couldn't throw a football. <laughs> it's like we're really using Pryor and Cardell Jones as examples. I mean, at least Fields, Fields is 100 times better than those guys. And I think that he can be successful uh, in the NFL. But the thing that caught my ear yesterday, um, just listening to the fantastic guests that we've had on the station, and we'll start with Booger McFarlane. Now, he had this to say regarding whether you pick Mac Jones or Trey Lance, whether you start him, whether you sit them. Here's what Booger McFarlane had to say on the morning roast yesterday uh, regarding the starting job. If you draft Mac Jones, you're drafting him because he is a, uh, you think he's a starting quarterback with elite processing ability and, and, and you can kind of control the joystick from day one based on the level of competition he's played, him being ready. He just won a national championship. He's played at the highest level. I think if you draft Trey Lance with the limited experience, playing at a lower level, you need to work on a couple of things with his mechanics. And you're saying, I need a little bit more time with him before I put him out there on the field. So that's going to depend. If Mac Jones is my quarterback, I want him on the field day one. If Trey Lance is my quarterback, I want Jimmy Garoppolo. So it feels like that that has been a common theme when it comes to these quarterbacks. If we draft Mac Jones, then we're going to start him right away. If they draft Trey Lance, he'll sit a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, maybe that does have something to do with the fact that, you know, Mac Jones has obviously played in bigger games, has much more of a sample size than Trey Lance, and Trey Lance would need a year. But then Brian Baldinger, who was on the morning roast yesterday as well, now it's gonna it's gonna be as if he's in studio because look it's radio magic baby, you know you, you, when you got a when you got a technical producer like me on the morning roast you make these things happen. I'm just kidding it's it's mostly the engineers that do it. I'm just kind of like the messenger here. Uh, but Brian Baldinger was on the morning roast yesterday and he had this to say when he was asked if that rookie is going to be starting over Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's Brian Baldinger from yesterday. I believe that you know this is a different era. Uh, the clock starts on your Super Bowl run uh, the day that you make this selection on Thursday night. And the quicker you can get them up to speed and get them really comfortable within the offense, I think you just the only way to learn and to get better in this business is to play. And you can say Patrick Mahomes sat for a year and he learned from Alex Smith, and he probably did. And you can say Aaron Rodgers did that. You can say, and that's true. But Josh Allen started right away, and look where he's at right now. If he had sat for a year... You know, if they'd had some, you know, in, in between, then he wouldn't be where he's at in the AFC Championship game in his third season. I, I think you got to play him immediately, and you got to grow with him. It's a good roster around him. It's not like he's going to Jacksonville where they got to rebuild a team. It's a very good team around him right now with a lot of experience, and I think what's going to be a good offensive line, uh, a run-based offense, I, I think you've got to play him. Literally, you know, Labor Day weekend, he's your starter. So I, I do find that interesting because 
when he uses Josh Allen as an example, I mean, I was so wrong about Josh Allen when he came into the league. You know, the first couple of years, sure, this dude can run. You know, and I, and I was running this stupid joke, which nobody laughed at except myself, because that's normally what happens in my life. I tend to be the only one laughing at my jokes. Shout out to loving yourself. But Josh Allen, <laughs> oh man, just having, I don't even know what I'm doing at 550. Uh, but Josh Allen, though, in the first two seasons, incredibly inaccurate and didn't look like he was pro ready. And then Baldy used Patrick Mahomes as an example, but... I go back to what Tyreek Hill had to say on Patrick Mahomes earlier in the year, and he was on, oh, I think it's Inside the NFL was the show. It's on Showtime, and he was interviewed by uh, Brandon Marshall, and I think Phil Simms was on there as well. Boomer Esiason was there too. But Tyreek Hill was talking about Patrick Mahomes, and when Tyreek Hill said was talking about Mahomes from his rookie season when he was sitting a year, for the year under Alex Smith, Tyreek Hill said, I thought this dude sucked. He Tyreek Hill was being dead serious. He said, look, I thought I, when I saw Mahomes, I'm like, this is the dude that you're bringing in. And then he saw a massive jump from year one to year two, and he was totally ready. And I, I guess where I'm getting at is using Josh Allen as an example. I mean, that is one guy that you could use for sure, because look where he's at now. He's, you know, a top three quarterback in the NFL, maybe top five, uh, no doubt top five, arguably top three. But um, I don't know if these guys would be on that same path. I I, I personally, for me, if you're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo uh, on this, uh, if you're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on this roster, I mean, why not just sit whoever you draft at three for a year? Why not? Because starting them right away, especially if it's like Booger says with Mac Jones, right? If it's like what Booger says and Mac Jones comes in and starts right away just because he's had more game experience and he played at a bigger college and all those different things. And he doesn't perform and he plays the way that Josh Allen played in Buffalo. Oh, I don't know how the fan base was reacting in Buffalo with Josh Allen in the in his in the first couple of years. I don't. I don't. I, I really don't. I don't know because Buffalo fans, as we know, are the most passionate. I mean, no matter what, they're going to throw each other through tables, regardless of who the starting quarterback is. Kyle Orton, the starting quarterback, we're going to see him today. Don't matter. Going through a table today in the tailgate. But um, if Mac Jones is the starter right away, and Jimmy Garoppolo's God, and you have that. First game, I'm telling you, that first game when Mac Jones goes out and doesn't give the Niners a chance to win is a big reason as to why they lose. 49er fans are going to be going nuts. 49er fans are going to be going nuts. I've gotten a pulse now. I mean, I've lived in the Bay Area my entire life, and I know how passionate uh, Niner fans can be as well as Raider fans, right? When the teams both stunk. You know, at school every day, it was, you know, Niners versus Raiders, Niners versus Raiders, all these different things. It was a lot of fun. But now, with the addition of Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of seeing how that's played out along with Kyle Shanahan, I know how fans react now to these quarterbacks. And if you put Mac Jones as a starter day one, as Brian Baldinger says, by Labor Day, and he doesn't show a, a, a sign that this dude can lead this team to the playoffs and possibly to the Super Bowl in the next few years, 
<laughs> I mean, 49er fans are going to go insane. Um, Greg McElroy, though, former Alabama quarterback, college basketball analyst, uh, he's great. You can catch him um, on SiriusXM Radio. He does a terrific job uh, with football. But here's what Greg McElroy had to say. And this is when he was asked if Jimmy Garoppolo stays, who the 49ers need to pick. Here's what Greg McElroy had to say. Assuming Jimmy Garoppolo is still there, and I don't know what the situation with this contract is, based on the people I talk to within the league, they say that contract's going to be a difficult one to dispose of. Assuming he's still there, then that appears to me like you might have a, a Patrick Mahomes-type situation where I would take the guy with the highest upside, and to me the highest upside guy amongst the three that are being considered is Trey Lance. That's what I'm assuming. Everyone seems to think that Kyle Shanahan has an infatuation with Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. I don't see that. He grew up under his dad watching John Elway. Do you think he really wants a statuesque guy without ridiculous upside? I, I just have a hard time thinking that. So I love Mac. I, I love Justin Fields. Covered them both and called a lot of their games and have gotten to know them quite well. But the guy with the most upside to me is Trey Lance, and he'd be my pick at three if, if I were really trying to find that guy that I could groom behind Jimmy G. See, and, and that's where I'm coming from when I say that going into tomorrow, at this point, at 5.55 on Wednesday morning as we go into a Thursday afternoon draft, I think that it's just between Jones and Lance now. It is just between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Like I don't even think Justin Fields is in the conversation uh, at this point. But I also wonder what's going to happen um, in this draft. I wonder if anything crazy is going to go down. It seems like Lawrence and Wilson are the uh, uh, the the de facto number one and number two pick, respectively. It's going to be Lawrence, and then it's going to be Wilson. Then at the third pick... The reason that the Niners traded up there is because there's a lot of teams uh, that could have made moves, and they just they just decided to get a head start on everybody. But when I'm hearing that, it just feels like the pick um, is either going to be Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And if you're using it on the basis of, well, if Jimmy Garoppolo stays, then they're going to pick Trey Lance, then I think the 49ers... Um, you know, unless they can find a trade partner for him, I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. So in turn, from what Greg McElroy had to say, the pick would be Trey Lance. That would be my thinking. That would be uh, my thinking. But Greg McElroy continued, and he spoke about Mac Jones, if he is the pick, how Niner fans will feel. Here's what Greg McElroy had to say. You guys will love him if that's where he ends up. Uh, and I think he's ready to start day one. I really do. I, I think he is the most prepared amongst the three. I just don't know if he's going to necessarily have the upside of the other two at this point. And, and frankly, I, the guy I compare Mac Jones to is Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is a really good player. And I, I think, frankly, talking to people that, that follow the 49ers closely, it feels like, oh, God, Kirk Cousins. Like, the fans would be just beside themselves. Uh, to me, Kirk Cousins is a pretty good player. He's won playoff games, got to the playoffs, has had pretty remarkable seasons playing under the franchise tag, betting on himself. Like I, I got all the respect in the world for that guy. But I get the sense that if you're picking a three, Kirk Cousins wouldn't necessarily be the guy that you're aiming to kind of make your franchise around. But if you want to talk about intangibles, I mean, Mac Jones is off the charts. This is wild. <laughs> this, is, this is just so wild. Everything that's going into tomorrow's draft with a third pick. And if you tune in at like if you tune in at five fifty six every single morning, right? Like that's when you get into your car 
it's 556 and you turn on 95.7, you'll have heard me repeat the same thing because after I get through a show and I get to this point where the morning roast is coming up, and I start thinking about it, play a little sound. I'm just thinking, my goodness, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts because what the 510 is here is saying they draft Jones after giving up three first round pick and he's a dud. Then the text is just left blank. But that's the thing. If you trade away a couple of future first rounders and a third rounder, let's not forget the third rounder and the fact that the 49ers have found a lot of value um, in the third round. Let's not forget about that one. They also traded a third rounder too. And it's Mac Jones. <laughs> it's just insane. It's insane because Todd McShay had a mock draft as early as one. He had the Niners trading up to nine to get Mac Jones. He said, yeah, the ninth pick, they'll be okay. Then all of a sudden they trade up to three. Then it's Mac Jones at three. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know if I'm going to experience a draft like this uh, in my lifetime. I, I really don't know. All right. So we've gone through a lot today. We had the Warriors lost to the Mavs and really their chance to get the sixth seed. Um, it seems pretty much over because uh, that was the tiebreaker with the um, with the with the, uh, the the series with the Mavs this season, the season series, and uh, the tiebreaker is gone. Um, you had the Giants and the A's lose; they look to bounce back. The A's tonight they got my favorite pitcher in baseball from the Tampa Bay Rays in Tyler Glasnow. So um, all I'll say is, if you're an A's fan and you've never seen Glasnow pitch, which you should have because um, of the playoffs, but Good luck. <laughs> Dude's unbelievable. And then you got the Giants. You got Alex Wood um, in his last two starts. He's been fantastic. Saw him, on, uh, saw him on Friday night. He only gave up one hit. He was great. And you got Alex Wood going up against Herman Marquez, who is really um, the Rockies, besides John Gray, uh, the, one of the Rockies' better starting pitchers. So a couple of good pitching matchups tonight uh, in Bay Area baseball. But coming up next... The Morning Roast with Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joe the Butcher Boyshaski. We got Brad Nessler coming up at 735. We got Darrell Wright at 815. We got Mike Holmgren at 850. And then Matt Schaub at 920. So they got a stacked show for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Okay.